MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is hour number three of prime time action as we welcome you in Friday night edition of the show. It's been so fun being with you all week. Kelly Bidlin, our normal producer, Adam, he's back Monday, as is Matt Brown. So uh, we will have two of the normal guys back uh, back with us in studio next week. Wyatt Tomschick, though, doing a great job holding down the fort behind the glasses, our producer, with Adam Burke as well. Uh, here on the desk on a Friday, Wyatt, we've got a whole lot of action. Busy, busy baseball card right now. You just made a live wager. Do I understand that um, as well? Yeah, I, was, uh, I saw that number on DraftKings, uh, plus 120 Yankees uh, money line there, and went over to look at Will Hill and had the same number. So, yeah, nice. why not? We'd ha- we had a chance to see that homer in the break, Adam, and it was – 100, 100 miles an hour at the belt, and Sal Perez just cranked that baby right around. So, yeah. One of those you know, tip your cap type moments. It's funny because like, everybody goes off on Garrett Cole when he's struggling. And I saw that home run, and I'm thinking that's maybe like a not even a one percentile outcome for a guy to hit 100, yeah. at, you know, basically the letters out of the ballpark to, to just left of center. There was also one when Rafael Devers hit the three run homer off of him. In that game at Fenway, it was like a it was a changeup down and away. He stayed on it, hit it to left center field. It was a pitch that was really really good. Like Cole's gotten unlucky, I think, on some pitches that probably shouldn't have been hit out of the ballpark. But you know, when you make when you sign a three hundred thirty million dollar contract, you're under the microscope all the time. And yeah, the, the money kind of supersedes the variance. I would say right. for a lot of those guys. As far as the rest of the scores, Wyatt, let's run through them all. A lot of action right now in the diamonds. 
Yes, currently in the seventh inning. Good matchup here between the Mets and Marlins. 4-4 is the score. Minus 160 on the money line for the Mets. 130 for the Marlins. Total is sitting at 10.5. In the seventh inning, Orioles and Reds are tied up at 2. Orioles on the money line, plus 105, minus 135 for the Reds. Total is sitting at 6.5. In the seventh inning, Royals on top of the Yankees, 5-3, to three, as Ben and Adam were just mentioning. Salvador Perez's three-run home run. The Royals are sitting minus now 235 on the money line, plus 190 for the Yankees. Total is sitting at 10.5. In the seventh inning, Cardinals are on top of the Nationals, 6-2, to two, minus 1,700 on the money line for the Cardinals plus 900 for the Nationals total is sitting at 10 and a half in the seventh inning the Pirates are on top of the Phillies two to nothing plus 270 on the money line for the Phillies minus 350 for the Pirates four and a half is the total in the sixth inning Tigers are on top of the Blue Jays three to two minus 125 on the money line for Detroit minus 105 for the Blue Jays total is sitting at eight and a half in the sixth inning uh, Ben's Brewers are on top one to nothing Minus 285 on the money line for the Brew Crew. 225 on the money line, plus 225 on the money line for the Red Sox. Three and a half is the total in that game. In the seventh inning, Guardians on top of the Rays, three to one, minus 690 on the money line for the Guardians, plus 470 for the Rays, five and a half is the total. In the sixth inning, the Atlanta Braves are on top of the Arizona Diamondbacks, five to two. Minus 3,000 on the money line for the Braves. 12 to 1 for the Diamondbacks on the money line. Total is off the board. In the third inning, Astros are on top of the Mariners. 1 to nothing. Minus 500 on the money line for the Astros. Plus 370 for the Mariners. Total is sitting at 6.5. In the fourth inning, the A's are on top of the White Sox. 3 to 1. Minus 175 for the Athletics on the money line. Plus 140 for the White Sox. 9.5 is the total. And in the second inning, already the Dodgers are on top of the Rockies. 2 to nothing. 585 on the money line for the Dodgers, plus 390 for the Rockies, and the total is sitting at 12.5. Will Smith, two-run home run in the first inning of that game, so more early scoring there for the Dodgers, backing Julio Urias against Chad Cool there for the Rockies. We looked up, and uh, we know Madison Baumgartner-Adam has a history of getting into some confrontations with home plate umpires. He and Bruce Dreckman, the home plate umpire in this Diamondbacks-Braves game, were basically just engaging in a shouting match. Dreckman was standing behind home plate, and Baumgartner was on the mound, and they were just yelling at each other for like a solid minute straight. It's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, Madison Bumgarner making headlines for, for a lot of different reasons. He called Victor Robles a clown after he hit a home run off him. Yeah, it was a 6-1 to one game, so what? I mean, the guy hitting a home run is not an easy thing to do in a major league oh. game. Called him a clown, and Robles came out with a clown nose to the dugout for the next game. There we go. So, That's the shade we like if, to if see. You think, if you think I'm kind of a surly, discontent type of person, <laughs> at least I'm not Madison Bumgarner. At least you're not Madison Bumgarner. Imagine having millions of dollars and just being that... Hmm, that kind of guy. Bite my tongue because I don't want to say anything that'll get no, us fine. Just, but come on. Wasn't one of the greatest quotes of all time, Max Muncy, when he Bumgarner was upset that he was uh, admiring the home run. He told him to go get the ball out of the ocean. Yes. One of the greatest comebackers yes. in all of Big time own. Big time own. I would, yes, I would certainly say so on that. We have three more late games still to come for anybody uh, who is looking to get their fix in the baseball betting action tonight. Uh, Adam, you've had, you had a tough loser there tonight as Cardinals Nationals probably going to go over the full game. 6-2, bottom seven. Adam had over first five. Didn't get there. I'm probably going to look at a loser here. Rays down 3-1, top of the seventh. The just uh, yeah, zero ability to do anything on the offensive side there uh, for Tampa. But there are three games still to come here. Martin Perez and the Rangers against Patrick Sandoval and the Angels lefty-lefty matchup. This is a pick'em, which I, is interesting. It's actually just just flipped here a second ago. DraftKings up to minus 120 on the Rangers. Even money there on the Angels. Seven and a half your total. Juiced over at minus 120. 
We talked about it yesterday. Like, could you possibly ever lay over $2 with the Angels, even with Shohei Otani on the mound? And we both said no. Of course, the Rangers go out. They win that game going away. Kind of feel the same way tonight. Like, does Martin Perez really deserve to be just a pick him, even though it's on the road against this, this pathetic excuse for an Angels team? What say you? Yeah, this is a line that's really strange to me because the Rangers, when you look at them offensively, since June 1st, they've been a top-five offense against left-handed pitching. I love Patrick Sandoval. I'm a big Patrick Sandoval guy, over a strikeout per inning, high ground ball rate, good hard hit percentage against. I really like a lot of things about him. But the Rangers have hit lefties well. The Angels have hit virtually nobody well over the last what, three months of the season, two Pretty months of the much, season. give or take. So you know, it's, it's very hard to take a look at the Angels tonight and, and have any degree of confidence in them. And yet this is that money line pick them with Martin Perez, who's been really good throughout yeah. the course of the season. This line... It's kind of uh, kind of fishy here. Do you dare look? F- would it be? F- I guess you can't trust these bullpens, especially the Angels bullpen. Right. Would you dare look first five under in a spot like this? You're, I'm sure there are three and a halfs. I would imagine in the market here, where you you point out the uh, the numbers there for Patrick Sandoval. I look at Martin Perez, a guy who has been able to revive his career. Back in uh, back in Texas this year, tenth year uh, big leaguer who started there goes to Minnesota and Boston and now is putting up a 2.59 ERA with not a ton of regression numbers. Fielding independent pitching a 3.12, expected ERA of 3.18, and, and an offense that has just been woeful now, hitting under 200 here in the month of July. That's the one angle I'd look at, but I, I couldn't possibly. This is one of those games. I know we talked about it earlier. How you should truly decipher first five betting versus full game betting, especially on totals. There's no way I could take an under full game here, even though everything screams that way given the bullpens. First five would be the look. Probably not gonna actually play it though. Well, it is four. But, it is four and it's regular oh, flat see, juice at minus one ten okay. because you've got over seven and a half juice, a little bit minus one fifteen, minus one twenty in the market. So that gives you a four at minus one ten for the first five. That's something where it makes sense. Again, one of that my sense, one of yes. my biggest reservations with betting first five is generally you go from a 10-cent line to a 20-cent line or sometimes higher than that, depending on the book, and you're giving up some line equity. You know, you're, you're giving up maybe 10, 15 cents on the team that you want to back because you're taking the first five. So that's to me where I kind of evaluate the trade-off and see if it's worth it. In this situation, I'm getting a pretty good first five number here at reasonable juice at minus 110 and I can avoid the bullpens, that's a situation where a first five would make sense to me if I was to bet on the game, whereas if this was you know, three and a half under even money, something like that, that's a little bit more difficult of a sell for me. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand where, where you're coming from there. Four, especially, yeah, it is fours with even juice on that one. Uh, four, again, this is our game at 9.38 Eastern. Martin Perez and the Rangers, Patrick Sandoval, and the Angels. One other game that starts at around that same time, 9.40 Eastern. It's Joe Ryan for Minnesota, a guy you've been really, really high on all season, Adam, one of the bright, young rookie pitchers in the American League, against Blake Snell, the lefty for the San Diego Padres, seeing at DraftKings the Padres minus 135, Twins plus 115. Eight is your total juiced under at minus 120. So this one was in the article today. Got this one at a bad number here with the Twins. It uh, it was plus 110, I think, in the article. I got plus 113 out here. I try to post an article or post a line in the article that's kind of a consensus number that everybody can get to. Uh, But this one's jumped up about 10 cents or so here, and I'm not entirely sure why other than just a little bit of money on the Padres. I don't really see anything in terms of the Twins. Oh, yeah. No, Luis Arias is in the lineup, but he's batting sixth. So I don't really know why this one's necessarily moved, but the Twins are going to load up right-handed bats against Blake Snell, so they will have platoon advantages throughout the game. Blake Snell's a guy that I worry about. You know, we talk about guys that are a little bit rusty. 
He does not have good control. He is not a good control pitcher. He's got some swing and miss, but he's not a good control guy. Twins, I think, are fifth or sixth against lefties in strikeout percentage. They put a lot of balls in play. I just don't expect Snell to be sharp. The Padres are bad against righties. They're 23rd yeah. in weighted on base average. They're 29th in weighted on base average at home. So my thought was Joe Ryan should do really well here. I'll take my chances with the Twins in this matchup with a lot of platoon advantages and a bullpen that's had two days of rest so far this right. week. Would not mind that at all. You took a stab on the Cubs last night, as did Wyatt and the whole crew. Didn't work out. Marcus Stroman takes the ball tonight against Alex Cobb in the Giants. 10-15 Eastern first pitch. Giants back to about a $1.35 favorite tonight at DraftKings plus 115 on the Cubs. 7.5 your total juiced under minus 115. You going back to the well there, Adam? I'm not going back to the well, but I'll say this. Like I talked about in the intro, I mean, the Giants had very little contact quality off of Justin Steele yesterday. They had an inning set up by a muffed pop-up. They had a hit-by-pitch. They had an infield single. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had – it was just kind of like death by paper cuts, basically, for the Cubs in that inning where Justin Steele didn't give up a single earned run. Also, they got no hit until the seventh, so they didn't take their bats with them out to the Bay Area. But this Giants team just still doesn't impress me. Stroman, the concern I have about him is he's re- coming back from a recent IL stint. How sharp is he going to be? If anything, I would take another shot with the Cubs tonight, but I'm not on this game. As we talked about last night, even when you can make the case, it's still hard to get there with a team that, I mean, look, the, the Cubs in a nutshell is basically the David Ross uh, GIF we saw last yeah. night. Which the we double are, bird? We're not going to do that right now, but we would love to do, the, yes, the waving double bird to the cameras as we go as we go uh, out to break. When we return, we've been teasing it uh, basically all show. We're going to start talking some college football with Adam, two of the conferences he has dove deep into already as part of our VEASAN College Football Betting Guide, the Sun Belt and the Conference USA. We'll start with CUSA on the other side. It's our final hour on a Friday night here on Primetime Action. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's Football Betting Guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All-Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming Pro Football Betting Guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com. Slash subscribe. Back alongside Adam Burke, who wrote a whopping 49 single team previews out of the 131. And that, look at that on the screen, too. That is, and that is the picture. That is the front of the VEASAN college football betting guy. So well done to, to the crew showing that up on screen here. Adam, you wrote all those previews. You wrote all the previews for Conference USA, which we're going to talk about right now, as well as the uh, Sun Belt. Probably where we have to start with this conference, I would, at least from a the casual outsider observation, would be with no Bailey Zappi, who put up just video game-type numbers as quarterback for Western Kentucky last year, uh, led them to a fantastic season. With no Zappi this year, where do you start at the top when handicapping a Conference USA that is now seeing UTSA, the roadrunners of UT San Antonio, your odds-on favorites here, at just north of $2? Yeah, I think the first thing you have to do is kind of figure out, you know, look, Bailey Zappi's not there, but what changes for Western Kentucky? And the reality of it is that Zach Kitley, who was the offensive coordinator, he's now going to be calling plays at Texas Tech, where he got his start as a grad assistant. His right-hand man, Ben Arbuckle, is now the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. So nothing's going to change. It's just a matter of, was Bailey Zappi really that good? Was this just kind of the scheme? Now, also, Western Kentucky does lose some talent at wide receiver, too. They lost Jarrett Stearns and Mitchell Tinsley, 227 catches combined, over 3,300 receiving yards between the two of them. So, yeah, the passing game probably will be a little bit different for Western Kentucky, and that opens the door for some of the other teams here in this conference. And 
you know, UAB is the team that most people probably know out of Conference USA, but I've got some concerns about the Blazers this year because Bill Clark just retired due to medical reasons uh, basically in the month of July. So offensive coordinator Bryant Vincent will take over as the head coach. Clark will still be around on a day-to-day basis, but UAB has already said, you know, we're going to wait until after the season to do our head coaching search. But I don't think there's a lot of belief within the athletic department that Vincent will be the guy. So you've got that cloud kind of hanging over the Blazers now throughout the course of this season. And then UTSA, hey, look, you, you can't say enough about the job that Jeff Trailer's done here. Yep. Where Defending champs there. They he, beat Western Kentucky in the CUSA title game a season ago. Right. right. And, and Trailer's a guy that he was courted by bigger programs and said, you know what? I'm okay with staying here. I mean, this is a team that yeah. topped out at number 15 in the nation. They went 12-2. and two. They bring back their quarterback, Frank Harris. They do lose Sincere McCormick, who had almost 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. But still, this is a team that's been recruiting at a very high level. They'll still be a really good team. And something else to keep in mind is that Conference USA got rid of divisions this year. There are 11 teams in the league, but they got rid of divisions. So the conference championship game will be the number one and number two seeds with no worry about yeah, East no, and West. No more East-West. It was Western Kentucky. They won the, of course, Western Kentucky wins the East last year. That makes sense. Uh, UTSA wins the West last year. Western Kentucky uh, and UTSA, that was a really fun championship game. Won by UTSA, the Roadrunners, 49-41. to 41. If there is a team, so if you're, if you're down a little bit then, uh, before we get into some of the overall win totals here, if you're if you're down maybe on UAB is that second contender, and, and the market seems to suggest Western Kentucky will have at least somewhat of a drop-off, who is a team that could surprise this year that is maybe in the middle tier that uh, North Texas, Marshall, Old Dominion are three teams who all went five and three in conference last year? Is there a group of those three who could take a leap, or is it somebody else you've got your eye on? Well, Marshall and Old Dominion both left for the Sun Belt. So that kind of weakens the middle of Conference USA, where Marshall was a very good team pretty much year after year, but they make the move to the Sun Belt. Old Dominion, who made a bowl game last year after starting one and six, they won five straight games. They go over to the Sun Belt, so we'll be able to talk about them in the next segment. As far as a team in the middle, honestly, not really. I think UTEP is better than their market price right now. I actually have UTEP down with 6.72 wins. Now, I don't power rate FCS teams, and I am working through that now, kind of going through and updating my win total spreadsheet. But I think UTEP is still going to be probably around 6.3, 6.4 wins for me, somewhere in there. Their season win total, 5.5 over minus 125. Dana Demel is doing a really good job with that team. They're building up very, very nicely. If there was a team to kind of come up and challenge the top three, I think UTEP has the best shot at it. But really for me, it's just looking at UAB, Western Kentucky, and UTSA and trying to figure out here which team is going to be the one that falls off the pace just a little bit. Yeah. And I think UAB has the chance to be that team. But I will say here, you know, one of the reasons why, and UTSA coming off of such an impressive season last year going 12-2, and two, they're non-conference. They play Houston, Army, and Texas. So that's why their win total is only 8.5 here. It's due in large part to their non-conference schedule as opposed to what they'll be able to do here in league play. Interesting. And that leads us into some of these uh, win totals here for the the 11 now remaining teams. Uh, as we yes, we go from a 14 a season ago now down to 11 with the the exoduses in that uh, league here. So with UAB, UTSA, Western Kentucky, they're all eight and a half. I know we were talking just generally. Uh, this was I think an off-air conversation a few weeks ago where you you were you had some just general observations about how these win totals were set in the market in general that maybe you were thinking was a little bit inaccurate, if, at least if you were just looking at some of the top teams here. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the top of this conference, again, you have to consider the non-conference strength of schedule, and that's something yeah. where UAB has a weaker non-conference strength of schedule than a team like UTSA does. Western Kentucky, they play Austin P. then they go to Hawaii in week one. So they play a week zero game. They play Hawaii in week one. They only have one bye, which comes in week two. They actually play 13 games, and they play 11 straight games to finish out the season. So Western Kentucky has a really challenging schedule here. But it's always interesting to me to look at these win totals and, and look at the way that they kind of set up the juice on these things. Now, these aren't that bad, but you know when you start seeing over 5.5 minus 160, like you see for Florida Atlantic, you know you don't want to move it to 6 because you don't want to write a bunch of action and then wind up pushing and issuing a bunch of mm -hmm. refunds and yeah. all that. But there's got to be a better way to do it than that. You know, so that's something that's really worrisome to me is that a lot of times these become cost prohibitive. You'll see, you know, a Georgia over ten and a half minus two thirty. Yeah, some of the, like, at, at the top it gets very ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, I like I get it from the perspective of your you for those teams like a Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. You got to compare that with the like the playoff odds, the conference odds. So like I get it there, but. When you yeah, when you start doing things in you know, Florida Atlantic, the, that's the heaviest juice in this conference, five and a half over minus one sixty. Yeah, it gets a little bit uh, bit ridiculous. Now, how about the teams at the bottom here, where you have Rice that has been a perennial doormat, three and a half, and the the under is juiced there minus one thirty. Florida International, who has really not had any su sustained success there either, at three over minus one fifteen. How does the uh, basically the you know, the change of conference here where? You lose the three teams. How do you think that impacts? And I know obviously you're going to have to look at the non-con, especially when you have low win totals like that. But how do you think a, a new-look conference where there are three fewer teams changes an outlook like for a Rice, a Florida International, for a Louisiana Tech, the Bulldogs there down in Ruston? What does that do for those three? Well, one team I do want to mention that you didn't say is Middle Tennessee, who actually used four different starting quarterbacks last year. They had one that retired because he had a kid and wanted to spend more time with his family. They had a they had two others that wound up getting hurt, one that didn't play well. They wound up burning a red shirt of a kid that they didn't really want to burn the red shirt of. So Middle Tennessee is a team with their win total at five and a half, where a little bit more stability at the quarterback position will be something that helps them. But a team like Rice, for example, so the teams that left, I mean, Marshall went to a bowl game. Old Dominion was a solid team. You know, the teams that left this conference were, you know, on the whole pretty decent. But Rice went four and eight last year, and I don't see that at all for them this season. You know, they play mm -hmm. three different conference opponents off of buys. The non conference is USC, McNeese State, Louisiana, and Houston. They're going to lose three of those four at a minimum, and if they lose to McNeese State, it wouldn't shock me at all. I have no idea how Rice's season win total is three and a half. I have them favored in one game against McNeese State. They were a terrible team on special teams. They were three and nine against the spread. They were an underdog in a lot of games. They just got blown out a ton. They're a really, really bad team. It's one of my favorite season win total bets in the guide wow. here for this season is Rice under three and a half. And as I pull up my numbers here, I have Rice for 2.03 wins. They're a, they're a bottom five team in my power ratings. They're awful. FIU is a team that we really need to talk about because FIU last season, they quit on the year. They found mm -hmm. out that Butch Davis wasn't going to be retained because the athletic department wouldn't give his assistant coaches raises. They quit. I mean, they got badly beaten. They gave up 34 points in each of their last eight games. They gave up almost 40 points per game for the season. They got blown out week after week after week late in the year. They lost their final five games by 163 combined points. Oh, so man. they'll be better. 
obviously. I mean, they just kind of have to, to be. Yeah. <laughs> but how much better in this conference where they're clearly still one of the worst teams, and now Mike McIntyre comes in trying to pick up the scraps of this dumpster fire of a team from last season. I think FIU would have a really hard time doing any better than three wins. Uh, my season win total projection for them is actually 3.38, but that's where you talk about the non-conference strength yep. of schedule and where that comes into play. End of the day, who's your pick here to win this league? I, I think UTSA is, is the team to win it. Uh, I worry about UAB without Bill Clark and, and some of the late-game decision-making with, with Brian, head coach Brian Vincent. And you mentioned, too, three of these teams are now out. They're at the Sun Belt, which is the conference we're going to talk about next as well as update some of the uh, scores here as we're getting into the late innings for some of our Major League Baseball Friday night action. What a comprehensive breakdown that was from Adam Burke. And we get to do one more time next segment here, talking Sun Belt. Then we'll wrap up the show with our updated golf odds. That is all still to come here on Primetime Action. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. He is at it again. Brandon Nimmo with a big, big hit in Miami as we take a look at some of these games in Major League Baseball now entering their final innings. Two-run go-ahead homer in the top of the eighth gives the New York Mets a 6-4 lead there in Miami on a day where Sandy Alcantara did not have his best stuff. It was a 4-4 game when he exited at him, and now the Mets in a, a spot where they were favored, but only slightly. They're about $1.15 on the road. Looking pretty good right now. 6-4 uh, lead there in the eighth. Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, get a win in a game pitched by Sandy Alcantara. I That's would, definitely uh, something that uh, is a pretty good sign for the Mets here. So. But speaking of uh, games and, and beating good pitchers, uh, so <laughs> Garrett Cole and Alec Manoa both on the losing end right now. I got so the Royals and Tigers, respectively. We went through the what would the money line parlay be if you looked at both favorites. Now, what would the money line parlay have been if you took both dogs reverse run line tonight? That is a better question with the Royals. And they are now in a rain delay there, by the way, at Yankee Stadium, 5-3. For the Royals, Wyatt shaking his head. He's got a he's got an in-game a wager there on on the Yankees plus money. Oh well, what are you going to do? And then the Tigers up four two top of the seventh on Alec Manoa. So I mean, could you imagine if you parlayed both of those? The I mean, even just parlaying the money lines outright, that was plus. Let's see, you could have got uh, three to one on Detroit and three three twenty five on the Royals tonight. So again, baseball. Yeah, right. And I mean, look, uh, I thought. It looked like Shane Bieber was barely going to last three innings if he was lucky. Ends up shoving over seven innings after he had nothing in the tank in the first inning. So that'll be a loss for me there in Tampa. Yeah, and we're we're in a tough we're in a tough handicapping stretch of the Major League Baseball season. It's just you kind of have to roll with the punches with the hot streaks and the cold streaks, and that's uh, it's been tough right now. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's it's not as easy as just laying the big favorite prices. You know, it's not as right. easy as just throwing nothing together all these money line parlays. Nothing you is know? automatic. Yep. Nothing's automatic. Four, one Guardians there in the bottom of the eighth. couple games we'll be monitoring here. Orioles, Reds, 2-2, bottom eight right now. Phillies, Pirates, 2-2, uh, bottom seven at the moment right now. And the Brewers just retook the lead. 2-1 lead there for the Brew Crew in Boston, bottom of the seventh uh, that we, we will monitor as well. Uh, Braves up 5-2 on the D-backs in the top of the eighth. All right, we just talked about Conference USA. And three teams who leave the Conference USA. It's a nice little transition because we go to the Sun Belt here. Adam, where you look at Appalachian State, they are your favorites to win it this year. They, they were the division champions out of the East last year. Louisiana, 
The Ragin' Cajuns won the Western Division a season ago. Louisiana were your... They were your Sunbelt champions last season under Billy Napier, who leaves for Florida. But uh, you look at uh, Louisiana this year, they are the second favorite at plus 350. So in your mind, is this still those two Mountaineers, Raging Cajuns at the top, or could one of the three additions now from Conference USA play a bigger role in this expanded Sunbelt here in 2022? Well, James Madison ineligible for the postseason, so they cannot win the Sunbelt here. So they probably weren't going to anyway. It's a pretty big jump for them from FCS to FBS and also they lost their quarterback in the process. Uh, I believe Johnson is his name. Uh, but they lost him, and he had a monster year, over 40 passing touchdowns last year. So James Madison probably takes a little bit of a step back. Uh, look, I've made a case, and I think that they're very live in the West Division. That's South Alabama. And I think they're worth a look at about 6-1 to one to win the West. I don't think I'd bet them 20-1 to one to win the Sunbelt Conference because they'll be a sizable underdog against whoever wins the East. But yeah. I do think it's 6-1 to one to win the West. The West is terrible in this conference. When you look at the odds to win the Sun Belt here, App State, Coastal Carolina, Marshall, Georgia State, four of the top five come from the East Division. The only one in the West is Louisiana, and they're the team that's kind of been there, done that. So it's one of those things where if you're looking for any kind of futures value out of this conference, I think you have to look at whichever team you like the most out of the West to be the team to win that side of this conference because I think Louisiana could take a step back. I mean, Billy Napier moves on. Things won't change too much because Michael DeSormo was the quarterback's coach and co-offensive coordinator. A lot of people kind of question that hire, but he's a guy that also played quarterback there. So, you know, it's one of those things where you got kind of some stability following with Louisiana, but they do lose – you know, basically a four-year starter at quarterback, second-ranked all-time passer in program history in Levi Lewis behind Jake DeLome. You've got a new changeover at quarterback. You've got a new coaching staff. You've got some questions on the defensive side. Uh, there's only five returning starters after having 10 last year. So I think Louisiana is a little bit vulnerable in the West Division. You think so? And if you're looking at the odds there, you mentioned South Alabama, 20-1. to 1. Troy is the, is the other team in that division right now above – uh, USA there in the odds at 12 to one overall. Cause the rest of them, I mean, it's you know, Louisiana Monroe way at the bottom, which, which has been a doormat of that league now for some time, 200 to one. You've got Southern Miss 40 to one in this division, Texas State out of San Marcos, 70 to one. Uh, so you're looking at the rest of that. And that's basically the whole Western division in a nutshell there. So you're, you sound a much higher on South Alabama than you would be on the Trojans of Troy this year. Yeah, so Troy has a new head coach in uh, John Summerall who comes over. They're trying the Kentucky thing again. They brought in Neil Brown, who was Kentucky's <laughs> yeah. offensive coordinator, and they had some pretty decent years at Troy. He moved on to West Virginia. Now they bring in Kentucky's defensive coordinator and John Summerall. So we'll see how that goes for them. But for South Alabama, there's a lot to like about this team. They're very experienced at the quarterback position. They brought in Toledo transfer Carter Bradley. They still have Desmond Trotter, who – Apparently is only a junior, even though I feel like he's been there for like six years. Mm-hmm. But they have one of the youngest head coaches in FBS in Kane Womack, who was a defensive coordinator at uh, Indiana and I believe also Fresno State. I like what they did on the defense last year. They improved quite a bit. Offensively, they do lose Jalen Tolbert, who may end up being the number two wide receiver for the Cowboys this year, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, that is. But still, I think the South Alabama team has a lot of room for improvement. My season win total projection for them is about a full win higher than what the market is. So that is one that I like. That is one that I played uh, with South Alabama. 6.34 is my number. 5.5 is their number out there for a win total line in the market. As we take a look and and transition out to the win totals here uh, for the Sun Belt. Uh, So you mentioned South South Alabama. That's certainly a team you are going to be high on. 
as we talked about the two co-favorites at the top with App State getting the slight nod in the odds market, we, you, you, could, you could see maybe some fall off. Is it enough of a, of a drop off there for Louisiana if you're looking at the Raging Cajuns in 22 where you see the 8.5? It is juiced over minus 120 team that goes through the regular season unbeaten in the conference 8-0, 13-1 overall. Do you feel like a drop-off is in the cards for a team that they finished, what, 16th in the final uh, college football playoff ranking? So it's, again, like you expect a drop-off. It's just, is it enough? Is eight and a half warrant a play to the under still? Because that's probably being baked into the market. So the thing about Louisiana is their schedule is Charmin soft. I mean, Mm. they play Florida State, but they also play Southeastern Louisiana out of the FCS, who's a quality FCS program. But I think Louisiana should still take care of business in that game. Eastern Michigan and Rice. They play in the West Division, which is not any good, as I've already talked about. Um, they play Georgia Southern from the East, and we'll talk about Georgia Southern in a minute. But they don't play Marshall, or they don't play Coastal Carolina. They don't play App State. They don't play Georgia State. Really, the only tough conference game for them will be South Alabama, who I think is better than market expectation. And they play a midweek road game at Marshall. So Louisiana has a really favorable schedule. My projection for them is 9.02 wins. Uh, if I power rated the FCS, they're not going to be over a 20 point favorite against Southeastern Louisiana, probably in the 14 to 17 range. So my true number for Louisiana is probably about 8.8 wins okay. or so, which is still over this eight and a half market number. Yeah. And you look at the, look, the rest of these win totals here, App State, eight and a half with the juice to the over at that uh, particular spot. Uh, App State about, playing uh, North Carolina and I, Texas A&M. Yeah, I was going to, because... They, like that's a, and that's a team who historically, mm-hmm. going back to the FCS days, back when it was Division One AA, they have always scheduled tough. That is as kind of how we talked about with Louisiana and maybe the regression. That's definitely baked into the cake when you look at uh, these win totals here. But if you're of the belief that App State, and again, it's a you know, third-year head coach, so they've had some continuity there at the head coaching position in the in the wake of Eli Drinkwitz leaving there for Missouri. Given the tough schedule, though, eight and a half is that a fair number given what you think the success rate will be at least in conference but also having to weigh what is also awaiting them out of conference there I think it's a fair number and I also think that there is a possibility that App State falls off a little bit in conference play and it's not necessarily because of anything that they'll do wrong they still have an elite running game they have a two-headed monster with Cameron Peoples and Nate Noel that's going to be really really good they may rush for 2,000 yards this year combined but Chase Bryce at quarterback is a guy that does turn the football over And when you look at this conference now, Marshall's a quality team. Coastal Carolina is very much on the scene, and I like them over a little bit with Jamie Chadwell, who uses a lot of pre-snap motion. They're very hard to plan against, both offensively and defensively. They're a quality team. Georgia State is a quality team. So App State just has a stronger division around them. The one team that's bad, and I want to make sure I get this in before the final horn here. Please do. Georgia Southern is going to be bad. So Georgia Southern ran the triple option the last several years. Now they bring in Clay Helton and former Western Kentucky co-offensive coordinator Brian Ellis. Western Kentucky threw the ball a ton last year. So they go from a triple option to effectively running an air raid. How is that going to work uh, with, all the, with all the personnel that they have in place? And they're in the East Division. I have Georgia Southern for around three wins. Their win total is four and a half. I love the under. Good luck there. Is there is there a team you feel like, again, yeah, Top of these two, you, you certainly think the top two in this uh, this conference, App State, Louisiana, could have their respective struggles. Could there be a dark horse that uh, comes out of this? I think league? there's a decent chance Coastal Carolina wins. Coastal. Chance. Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Third on the odds board right now. Eight with the win total as we look at the Sun Belt. All right, Conference USA, Sun Belt in the books. We will close, uh, wrap up the show up next. We'll talk Rocket Mortgage Classic. Update the leaderboard after round two. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born to Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Couple games in Major League Baseball about to uh, wrap up here. The Orioles have second and third. Nobody out, top of the ninth, 2-2 game there against Cincinnati. So that was a very, I don't want to jinx it, but very prudent call by you in-game there at, what, 3-1, to one, down 2 nothing with a very, very bad bullpen in Cincinnati uh, trying to close the door, and they have not uh, <laughs> not been able to so far. Yeah, this is, uh, has not been a great night for offense across the league. You know, we no, got the, uh, the 6-4 game here down in Miami, which had the lowest total on the board at 6.5. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you got 5-3 in the Bronx, but, you know, 6-2 for this uh, – ill-fated Cardinals and Nationals game where most of the handicap was right. Most of it just, just one inning late. I need to play yeah. first six instead of first five, I guess. Can you bet, yeah, can you bet alt first five, can, add add the inning? Uh, first six would be fascinating with the third time through the order penalty. First seven, there's the first seven, some of those. Uh, I don't know. First, I, mean, I, would, I know books offer first three, which is I would is bet first six. First six and a third. Okay, now you're taking it too far. Now you're mocking me. Now, <laughs> hey, hey, he only writes an article for us every single day at Visa. Then you got to be careful. He's he's your ride to the airport here in about ten minutes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is true. I have my I have a flight that leaves in exactly one hour. <laughs> Boarding starts in like fifteen minutes, and we're right here. So, yes, Adam Burke going to be. We're going to find out very quickly how good of a driver Adam Burke is. I have a lot of faith in driver. I have a lot of I have a lot of faith in uh, in Adam Burke. That's the most important bet of the night. Me making the flight. If I you know. Missed that. Now we're now we're looking at a rough well, weekend. Oreo uh, magic again. Oreo magic. There. So after a pop out with the, on the on the first out of the inning, there second and third, nobody out. They do get a two run base hit. Four two O's in the top of the ninth. Also Kenley Jansen on for the save. Five two lead for the Braves there. Top nine against the D backs and the Nationals are down to their final out. Bottom of the ninth. Six two lead there for the Cardinals. In that one, everything else looks like they're still in a rain delay, by the way, in New York. Top of the eighth, the Royals leading 5-3. Uh, and it looks like uh, we'll see if I get a loser video in the next eight minutes. But Cleveland has gotten Tampa down to their, I believe, their, uh, down to their final three outs. They're 4-1 heading to the bottom of the ninth. Robbie Ray, 84 yeah. pitches to get eight outs tonight. Oh, five nothing. Four runs and five hits, Top five. four walks in that one. That, uh, that Justin Verlander over... What did we say? What was it? Uh, 19, 19 and a half, half. outs? That 53 pitches. That feels and two pretty thirds. safe. <laughs> that feels pretty safe. Yeah, I think so. ERA down to 179 for, uh, for one. So for all one the things Justin we Verlander. bet we lose, all the things we talked about on the show, we're going to win. Precisely. That's sometimes how the cookie crumbles. Maybe I shouldn't admit that. Maybe we should just be like, man, those guys are really sharp on this show. Yeah, we just never bet. <laughs> just leave everything else out of it. <laughs> yeah, that works. Uh, well, okay, let's. Uh, we transition to golf, where this kind of follows the same thing. We we make picks in the golf draft. We aren't able to actually bet these since these are DraftKings. But uh, we look at the updated leaderboard for round two. Rocket Mortgage Classic there in Detroit now uh, has wrapped up, and yet another good day for two of the guys who were at the top of the leaderboard yesterday. It was Taylor Pendrith, Tony Finau. Alone together at 8-under after one round. Pendrith, the Canadian, kept it going today. I know our guy Wes Reynolds, he was on Pendrith, and he was in that 60-to-1 range. Pendrith is 15-under right now, 65 on Friday. Tony Finau, one back, while the American Lee Hodges back-to-back 66s. Hodges, three back at 12-under par. Then you have a trio of guys, Russell Henley. I will, again, another example. Bet I gave out last night that I couldn't make a bet on. Henley in that three ball at, I think that was right around to pick him. 
comes out with a 65 today. So that one uh, won with ease over Stefan Jaeger, who had a 68. And I believe that was Taylor Moore was the third in that uh, trio who had a 71 today. So Henley gets himself into the top five with Stuart Sink and Cameron Young, all at uh, 10 under. So Cameron Young, uh, eight strokes gained today. 63. 63, nine under. Very, the top very five. nice round. Not a, not a bad round at all. Not a bad round whatsoever. If you look at the overall strokes gain leaders just today, Cameron Young, T to green, nearly six strokes gained T to green himself. Russell Henley was second there, over five strokes gained T to green on that one. Lee Hodges was your leader in putting today, over four strokes gained on the putting surface. Uh, what did we say, Wyatt? Uh, well, the other one we gave out last night, Siwoo Kim, Kim in tournament top 20. Guy really heated up with a putter today. Uh, over three strokes gained putting. He gets to nine under. So Siwoo Kim is tied for seventh right now, along with our pre-tournament favorite in Patrick Cantley. Uh, Cantley, Scott Stallings, Jaeger, Siwoo, and Heath Tagala, along with Adam Scott in a big old group at seven under. So that leads us to the updated odds right here. Finau plus 165, Taylor Pendrith plus 240. Yeah, and I know that Cameron Young is is five back right now, Adam, but this this tournament is far from over with a guy who has the ability to go as low as Cameron Young is able to. He gained 2.35 strokes with the putter today. Young, if I pull up round one, was about to field average there. So this is not a guy I expect to fall back, and he's been white hot over the past month. 11 to 1 is not an insane number to take a look at on Young, especially if you're already invested, if you've got, say, a Finau ticket right now. I would certainly still make Finau the favorite. I, I'll be curious to see if Pendrith can can do the pseudo wire to wire thing all four rounds. It would it would would a little bit be a, of a surprise to me to see Pendrith continue with this incredible incredible pace he's on right now. That, that's just my two cents. He gained over three strokes putting round one, over two strokes putting uh, today, and really made his meet off the tee and then on the greens, uh, which is certainly some one of the things that. Is a, is a little more variant. We talked about the importance of approach play on a course like this, especially with the wedges, and that was that's probably been Pendrith. If there's a weakness you want to look at today, that was probably it. He wasn't as good with the wedges today. Was really good on Thursday. So I I just wonder can he you know, hold his form there for all four days? But I would I would say Young, if you're looking to take a stab at an outright, that's probably the guy. Yeah, it makes some sense. And also, I mean, you think about Tony Finau, and, and the biggest knock on him, obviously, has been finishing off tournaments. You know, being able to play well on yep. Sunday. And, and he, he did it last week. Today. Because, <laughs> you know, today he was fine, you know, in terms of strokes gained tee to green. He was very good off the tee, but he saved himself with the putter. And that's typically something that can be a little bit of a problem for Finau. So, you know, damage control is so important in these tournaments where, you know, if you can get, if you can turn a bogey into a par, you know, that's such a big thing, especially when we talk about a tournament here where we're on pace for the winning score to be somewhere in the 25-under range, you know, kind of with what we've seen from the first two days. If you can turn those bogeys into pars, you know, that's something that really helps you as long as you're making putts. So for Finau, good to see him get the flat stick going today. And the same thing for Siwoo Kim, who was actually awful with his iron play today. Minus right. two strokes gained right. on approach, but he saved it with the putter. So, you know, you think about guys like that and you think about why it's so hard for a Taylor Pendrith to hang around because these guys are just so good at damage control, whereas for Pendrith, it's almost like, I mean, you got to be great every single day to hang with these guys. Yeah, no, no, no question. And does the guy have the goods? I certainly believe so, just the raw baseline. It's just when you haven't been there before and you have not been at this high level as well, 
it's it's hard to see him making this this whole seventy two hole stretch actually uh, you know, come to fruition where you're not you're not letting up whatsoever when you have so much pressure right behind you and that's that's kind of why you're seeing this reflected in the market. We just saw Tony Finau for as much as he struggled to finish in the past gets the job done last weekend and, and here he sits just one uh, one shot back. Uh, for our what our golf draft uh, wide how's how's Team Wyatt looking today? Get our uh, daily Wyatt update. You know, uh, Patrick Cantlay uh, really ran. Well, up you the beat board Jeff. There. You guys yeah. went head to so Jeff with the classic panic bet on uh, Wednesday, where Wyatt goes Cantley top American. Which I mean, look, you're live. You're down four to Fino. I mean, you're he's right now tied for the third Seven best under American today. Good round. Uh, very nice round uh, today for Cantley. I should say five back of Fino. So Jeff Parles just instinctively goes to the panic bet of uh, Cantley to miss the cut at like six to one or something. So Jeff lost that one. Um, yeah, Cantley looking good. You you guys. Uh, uh, Siwoo Kim, top uh, South Korean. Siwoo, very He's good. He's up uh, tied for seventh. Adam Scott, I had top 20 with the UNLV love. He's uh, tied for seventh as well. Uh, Ricky Fowler oh. did not make the cut. So, so, uh, Is that your that only missed cut? I believe so, yeah, because I think we had Cam Davis. Is that a that was have, Jeremy? How is this stuff not memorized? You got to know. Well, I Cam, think Cam Davis, Davis and Cam Young, they throw me because they're both. Cam Davis uh, did, make, did make the cut. Well, I, I saw that, but I couldn't remember what we took in it. Uh, I three of my five made the cut. Um, Russell Henley tied for fourth. That's pretty good. Chris Kirk t twenty one right now. Feel good about those two guys. Chris Gotter up. I took top forty. He's t fifty nine. He made the cut on the number, Adam. So Gotter up, giddy up. Let's go. Uh, Maverick McNeely, Mackenzie Hughes. Also, can we just appreciate how hilarious my Mackenzie Hughes bet was? Mackenzie Hughes top Canadian. He misses the cut. Not only that, but the guy who's leading the tournament is literally one of the five Canadians. I was going to say, how many Canadians are in the field? <laughs> probably five. But Henzi Hughes, I was like, oh, top Canadian. I don't. Th- Taylor Pendrith, who, the- who is this guy? It was more a fate of Adam Hadwin, who was the number one Canadian. But you know, what, what, what are you going to do? So we'll see. We'll see how the uh, weekend shakes out. Um, as it is a final, we should add uh, in Washington. So six-two Cardinals get the win there. Kenley Jansen, he's got to work through some trouble. The runners on the corners, two outs, top of the ninth. So just. For whatever reason, more and more of these Kenley chances are just never never as easy as you would like as a, as a Braves fan. Wyatt can attest to that back there. Yeah. I'd take him over Will Smith any day. Oh, uh, I mean, you you would, but yes. It's one of those, just one of those things you got to deal with uh, right now. So we appreciate you, first off, stepping in, Adam. Uh, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin back on Monday. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, though. You're going to have a lot more college football content coming up before the start of the year. Daily MLB at VEASAN.com. So yep. busy, Online busy time. on Sunday. Filling in, on on in for Sean King on the nightcap, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Whoa! So, Tim Murray, another contributor to the College Football Betting Guide. Uh, I think it will be a lot of college football Beautiful. in those three shows. Well, speaking of the nightcap, that's a show coming up next for Isaiah Wrinkle and our entire crew, Wyatt Tomchick, Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson saying good night for primetime action. It is the nightcap up next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.